views and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Um, just had the funniest conversation about something. I told a story earlier today. I'm gonna, I want to recap this. Bear with me for a moment. I'm going to vent, and then we'll move on. But early this morning, I was telling Sharp what an idiot I am, which I know I don't need to tell people that know me because they figure it out very quickly. But um, So I bought a second house. I have a, a, a house I'm using as a rental property, and I bought another house I moved into. I pay all of my bills with auto pay because I'll forget. So I have auto pay set up for my city services and everything else. Both of my homes are in Phoenix. And um, I forgot to set up my account for auto pay for the new place I just moved into. And I've got one of those mailboxes that's a that's not out in front of my house. It's one of the community mailboxes you got to drive or walk to. So I only check my mail every few days because it's always junk. I got a letter from the city of Phoenix saying you're, I was like two months behind in my water bill. And we're going to shut your water off. And I was like, I've never, I haven't been late paying a bill in 20 years. So I pay my bills early. So I, I logged on to my city account. I connected the new house to my city account. But it said, because you are so late paying this bill, you can't pay it online. You have to call the city. and gave me a number. So I called the number and had to deal with this automated system. It was a nightmare, and I'll tell you why. Because it was a, a guy's voice, and he says, enter your 10-digit account number. Mine started with 960, and I've entered this into the phone so many times now. I remember my 10-digit code, which I'm not giving you. But I, I, I enter on my phone my 10-digit code. Then the reply is, I heard you say, or whatever it is, and then repeats the whole 10-digit number. Then they want your expiration date. Then they repeat the expiration date and ask for accuracy. Then they want the three-digit code. Then they repeat back to you. So here I am screaming at my phone because it's taking way too long. Then they tell me, you owe $209 in some sense. Are you, do you want to pay the whole amount? Yes. Are you sure that you want to pay? And I mean, this was going on for a long time in my mind for, to pay one bill. Enter your credit card information. So I enter that long credit card number. It repeats that back to me. Then it's all of those things. They want all of those numbers repeated back to them. So I finally go through that, and I must have made a mistake in entering one of those numbers because it didn't tell me anything was wrong until I got to the very end, and they said, we can't process this credit card. Do you want to try again or try another card? So I said yes. Well, the system heard no and hung up on me. So now I am red in the face like one of those cartoons with smoke coming out of my ears. So I call back on the number and somehow pushing the buttons the right way, I got to a real person, a customer service representative. Um, I was on hold for 15 minutes. She came on the line and was as nice as could be. She was the nicest girl about the whole thing. So all this venting I just did to you, I kind of did to her, and I, I, I narrowed it down. And I said, I told her what happened. And I said, but I need to pay this bill because I certainly don't want my water shut off. I've never been late paying a bill. <sighs> this is where it gets explosive. <laughs> she says to me, um, we can't take your credit card information over the phone. We don't do that. But... I can transfer you to our automated system and you can and that's the one I just told you about. So after sitting on hold for 15 minutes, they transfer me back where I started. 
So I had to re-enter all the information again, took all the time to do that. Now, my mother is in town. So I've got my mother laughing in tears because I am once again standing in my kitchen with my phone on speaker, screaming at my phone like this guy on the other end that's in the automated system can hear how angry I am. I'm laughing at myself. I'm so angry. So I ended up paying the bill. Water never got shut off. But the reason why I'm telling the story is when I told it earlier this morning, somebody from the city of Phoenix reached out. And I want you to know at Phoenix, this was my fault. I'm the one I'm the one who didn't pay my bill. I didn't have auto pay set up yet. And in the end, I got it taken care of. But oh my gosh, if you want to do one thing to save Phoenicians um, emotional well-being, do something about that automated system, man. I mean, repeating back every single number, every 10-digit account, the entire credit card number, expiration date, three-digit code, oh my address. Oh, zip code. What's the billing zip code? You put in the billing zip code. I heard you say eight five. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And so I was and every time they say, is that correct? You've got to answer yes. And so I found myself screaming yes into the into my cell phone like a maniac. So uh, to the city of Phoenix, thanks for reaching out. Um, I appreciate it. But hopefully I'll never make that mistake again. Um, And now that I've bored you all with that story, it is something uh, again, I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of the anger issues, but you know what happens. You just want to talk to a real person that can help you. And the real person I finally talked to was as pleasant as she could be, but she couldn't help me. They don't do that way. So for all of the people out there, we've talked about the economy. For people that are out there that live in Phoenix that genuinely are having trouble keeping up with their bills, it's not funny. They've either got to deal with that system. Or they have to go to a location and stand in line and go pay in person. It's time consuming. It's frustrating. Um, But again, city of Phoenix, my fault. I was the one to blame. I've got auto pay set up now. You're going to get your money every month when you're supposed to get it. And uh, I'm very happy to report that I'm a happy customer again. And I was at lunch with my mother that day after this happened. And we were giggling at lunchtime at what an idiot I am. And that I was actually standing in my kitchen screaming at an automated phone system as if they could hear my anger. Uh, But it all worked out. So um, what we're going to do in a moment, we got to get you caught up on the biggest news stories. We do a segment called Did You Hear? this every day at 1120. Uh, And then I am going to get to this story about policing that I wanted to get to. It's an interesting story from around the country that there are police agencies in the country that are suffering and the citizens are not getting the protection they deserve because of staffing issues in law enforcement. Part of it is driven by the economy, but part of it is also driven by the sentiment toward police officers. That's my belief. And it's not the anti-police sentiment by a segment of society that's never liked to It has bled into city management and city leadership. And I think that's where the scariest part of this is. When you do that job for a living, you do it because you're proud of the job. It is something that you feel like you're contributing to your community. When something like this happens... And you no longer feel like the city leadership or county leadership has your back. Um, and I'm not saying you let people skate for doing the wrong thing. But when you feel like you're not supported from management, it's very discouraging. So we're going to do that a little bit later in the show. But coming up in a moment, we'll ca- catch you up on the biggest news stories. It's called Did You Hear This? Stick around. <laughs> Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, time to catch you up on the biggest news stories and the biggest headlines. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? 
Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. It's Groundhog Day for the Federal Reserve. Today, the FOMC raised our policy interest rate by 25 basis points. We continue to anticipate that ongoing increases will be appropriate in order to attain a stance of monetary policy that is sufficiently restrictive to return inflation to 2% over time. How many times will they raise the rates this year? That's the question. He did talk about the data that they need to see on inflation. We are starting to see job losses in certain key, uh, key sectors of the workforce where we are seeing a slowing down of the job market. Now we need to see reduction in prices. We start need to see that inflation going down. So they are saying they need more data as the year goes on. But they did say this will not be the last time they raise rates. If, you, if you're asking me to look into a crystal ball based on the people I've talked to and the things I've seen, I would say probably two more times this year and before they consider not doing it. Now, that's just something that I, I'm, I'm guessing. But that sounds like it more of a, uh, of a reasonable thing that's going to happen. We'll see how right I am. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they're able to end it soon than that, but we'll see. Cochise, Co- Cochise County Sheriff Mark Daniels testified in Congress at the Biden border crisis part one hearing yesterday, saying it's more crucial than ever to come together on so- so- security solutions. There we go. We all serve the priorities of Americans based on our shared oath of office to keep them safe, enhance their quality of life, and support the rule of law absent political affiliation or the concern of re-election. I ask each one of you to reflect on this statement as you make your next decision to vote. Will this testimony and more inspire change for the border at the Capitol? It's hard to tell. You know, the politics runs deep in uh, in Washington, D.C. It's just part of the beast that's there. Um, it was the old saying by the late Senator John McCain. He would say it every time he came in studio with me that he's going to uh, he's going to do God's work in the city of Satan. And it was always a joke about D.C., but the politics there runs deep. And so it's going to be hard for people to come off party lines. But I think the more they have people like Sheriff Daniels there who is on the ground, boots on the ground, explaining the problem, I think it does change minds, and hopefully it's going to change it sooner rather than later. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the biggest headlines. Maricopa County is the fourth largest county in the United States, and a bill was introduced that would split the county up into four smaller pieces. Eddie Cook, the Republican assessor in Maricopa County, says taxpayers might be angry with the change. They would have to spend that large amount of money to take all of the back-end offices, processes that we do, and try to replicate it an additional three more times where there's now four separate offices where one office can easily do the work that we need to do administratively. What would be the pros and cons of splitting up Maricopa County? Well, I, you know, I'm talking to people that are telling me they're they are in favor of this because Maricopa County is so big that it controls so much of what Arizona does. They have the power to do things with having only one board of supervisors for this, you know, 4.4 million people that having those smaller governments is a better idea. I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to try to get more answers, but, the, you know, the problems are exactly what you just heard. You have to have a, a three more sheriff's offices. You have to have courts now. The county courts have to be expanded. You have to have a county uh, recorder and all those county offices have to be filled and that all costs money. The prediction is a little over $155 million per year just to fill those new offices. Is that worth it for whatever they want to accomplish? That's the big question and I'm starting to ask those questions and hopefully I'll get answers this week. 
It's been a tradition since 1887 that every February 2nd, Americans look to Punxsutawney Phil to tell us how the rest of the winter is going to go. And we got our answer this morning. I see a shadow on my stage. And so, no matter how you measure, it's six more weeks of winter weather. Are you upset at his decision? <laughs> you know, I got to... I'm going to be very unpopular here for a moment. Can I be a little unpopular and snarky for a moment? If it weren't for Bill Murray in that movie, nobody would care. Nobody would care at all about a groundhog seeing his shadow. I'm just trying to be honest. You're, you're talking about nobody understands what this is. Nobody knows what this is anymore. Go ask someone. Well, Julia, how familiar are you with Punxsutawney Phil? I love Punxsutawney Phil. Do you really? That's why I asked you. Oh, my gosh. I, I just I don't know that anybody cares anymore. Does anybody really believe if a groundhog sees its shadow, we're going to have six more weeks of winter? Well, unfortunately for him, he's only right about 44 percent of the time. Oh, OK. Yeah, I'm I'm right more often than that. There you you know, I'm right more often than that. So it's it's more of a I guess what would you call it? A, a, a uh, novelty that seems for me, at least it's one of the novelties that probably has seen its better days. If it wasn't for Bill Murray in that movie. I don't know that anybody would even know or care about Groundhog Day. I know it's an unpopular position, and since we live in Arizona, I would love six more weeks of this winter. This is great weather. I'll take I'll take six more months of this if we can get that groundhog to see his shadow a few more times. think we'll get emails about that? You think there's people from Pennsylvania that live here now that I just upset and angered? 100%. Of course. I was talking with one of my friends yesterday. He's from outside of Philly, and we both love Oh, Groundhog I forgot. Day. Oh, what am I doing? We got Philadelphia Eagles fans coming to town. Oh, Mike. I'm dead. I'm not, I can't even do my show from Radio Row now for Super Bowl. They're going to kill me. <laughs> there oh, we go. I was kidding. It was just a joke. I know how you <laughs> Philly fans are. I don't want to I don't want to encourage the wrath um, with your dumb groundhog um what we're going to do in a moment is uh the loss of police officers this is an important story uh story out of san francisco story out of new york but stories across the country as police officers are leaving the profession or leaving big cities and going other places and the positions it's putting citizens and cities in are people getting the protection they deserve from the police force or is this becoming a very dangerous time for the average citizen i'll give you some of the details and statistics next And strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Yeah, I'm getting messages about uh, Puxatawney Phil. See what you started? You got me in trouble. Everybody from Philadelphia I know is reaching out to me, Julia. They're furious at me. <clears throat> I can't hear you. You don't have your mic on. As they should. <laughs> You're right. There, I'm getting people, <laughs> friends. What did that? What did that groundhog ever do to you? What did he do to you, Mike? Oh, nothing. He's just irrelevant. How Mr. Dare Irrelevant. You? He's the new Mr. Irrelevant. How dare you? <laughs> All right, I've got to move on because I will focus on that ridiculous groundhog way too much if I don't. Um, 
the serious topic of policing. We talk about this all the time. I want I, this is where I think how conversations should be handled because I have a lot of respect for people that are activists, even if I disagree with them. I respected uh, the rights of of Black Lives Matter, although I didn't agree with the premise. They had an absolute right, and I respect somebody that says I think so much of this issue. I am going to take to the streets, or I am going to advocate for change. I'm going to. That doesn't mean I have to agree with you, but I can respect your passion and belief, and then doing what you believe is right. And that's. I mean that. I mean that sincerely. But where our conversations should start in this issue isn't where we disagree. What about if we agree? Like I would agree with the Black Lives Matter movement that everybody should feel safe. That you shouldn't be judged by the color of your skin or the neighborhood you live in. That people should be treated fairly by the police and feel as if the police are there to help them and not hurt them. I think we all should have that expectation. But I disagreed with what the idea was of the defund the police movement because I knew it was going to have the opposite effect from what they wanted and I wanted, which is better policing, safer neighborhoods, and a community that feels like a community. No matter where you live in town, no matter what color skin you have, no matter how much money you have, that you feel as if you are a valued member of the community and vice versa, that the police officers feel like they are a valued member of the community. And their job is held in high regard. So here are some headlines. I talked about these earlier. San Francisco police respond to a burglary call nearly 15 hours late or 15 hours later than the call came in. Um, Joe Vernieri, owner of the Black Magic Voodoo Lounge, reported a robbery of his bar to the San Francisco Police Department Central Station at 1.06 p.m. Police did not arrive until the next morning at 3.14 a.m., according to the Chronicle. Police opened an investigation into the robbery on January 25th, 12 days after the crime had been reported. New York Police Department, the NYPD sees the largest staff exodus in decades with leaders refusing to acknowledge mounting crisis, according to the union boss. NYPD has lost 3,701 members who quit or retired last year. That's more than the entire Phoenix Police Department. In one year, they had the retirement, a high not seen since 2002, 21 years ago. Well, actually, for them, it would have been 20 years ago because it was last year. So... When you think about Arizona and what we want, we are a growing community. We are very safe. Um, I will tell you, I, I, and I take this from, I, I, I want to make sure I'm being accurate. I don't want to give a false picture. I grew up in a beautiful area of southwest Florida. Fort Myers, where the hurricane hit, is my hometown. That's where I grew up. And it was a great place to live, and it still is. But it's not a big city. You know, it's a medium-sized city, but it is not considered a very urban area. It does have a downtown, but it's not a big urban city. Tampa is, which is about two and a half hours north. Miami is, which is about two and a half hours kind of south and, and east. And I would say Miami is a lot closer to in what I'm, for what I'm talking about to where we are, which is a large metropolitan area where the Miami area turns into the Fort Lauderdale area and then up the East Coast. And so you have this large urban area and there are parts of Miami 
that are so beautiful, it, it looks like a postcard. It is amazingly gorgeous. Coconut Grove is incredible. Um, any when you go to Key Biscayne, when you go to and Biscayne Bay, those areas are, are are absolutely gorgeous. Coral Gables, where the University of Miami is, gorgeous areas. But they have parts of town that are so crime ridden. Um, there's a neighborhood that if you've ever watched the show uh, The First Forty Eight when it covers murders. Um, um, there's a there's a neighborhood in Miami called the Pork and Beans. There's Opalaca, um, and, and there's uh, you know some high crime areas. And what we don't want here in Phoenix is that, in my opinion, is we don't want this disparity in safety. The city of Chicago. I will tell you that from what I hear from people that live in Chicago and have lived in Chicago, that for the most part, the city of Chicago is a safe place. Where they are setting these records with violent crimes are in certain pockets of the city. Well, we don't want to become that. I mean, people in neighborhoods here in in Phoenix, we have different parts of town, the Sunny Slope area, working class neighborhoods and families. But they've got some crime issues in Sunny Slope sometimes. South Phoenix, you know, Maryvale, those communities have very good, very hardworking people that live in them. And they deserve the same kind of comfort and safety that you and I would have in other parts of the city where we live. Arcadia should be as safe as South Phoenix or Maryvale. And so in order to achieve that, we have to have police departments that work for everyone. We have to have a police department that's fully staffed so that the people – because I will tell you that one of the differences a lot of times is trust. That when – you know, in my neighborhood when I, where I live, if somebody is committing a crime or if something is going on and police are doing an investigation, I'm very willing to talk to the police. I'm not fearful of retribution. If there's something I can do to help them further their case and in their investigation, I'm happy to help them. There are other neighborhoods where they're in fear for their life because if they answer questions, you know, snitches get stitches and and it's very bad for them or they don't have a trust for law enforcement. You can't build that trust in law enforcement if you don't have enough law enforcement cities. And it's we're talking specifically about policing. But let me throw in Phoenix Fire for a moment. I had the Phoenix Fire Department on the show recently, a representative that's a firefighter. Talking about this and um, what is interesting is their staffing issues and what it's doing. And it's just as scary if wait times and response times and average from Phoenix Fire is 10 minutes or more. I want you to think about why you would call the fire department. And one of them is a fire, obviously. And I want you to think that if you have a fire in your home, around your home, whatever, That is so bad that you can't put it out yourself that you have to call the fire department. Imagine what that fire looks like in 10 minutes by the time they get there. If there is a medical emergency in your home, and I've lived through this, uh, my former mother-in-law who has since passed away is such a great woman. um, She had a stroke when she was living with us in the house. And we did not live far from the fire station. And this was years and years ago when the response times were much faster. But imagine a situation where one of your loved ones is having a medical issue that you need an ambulance and you call rescue. That 10 minutes, I want you to think about how much a life can change in that 10 minutes. 
if public safety is not focused on by the voters and therefore by the people we elect, what we end up with is an uphill battle. On the public safety side from the fire and rescue part of it, response times are way too high, which leads to much more property damage and worse yet, much more um, uh, bad outcomes when it comes to someone with a medical condition or a medical issue. On the policing side, here you are left to your own devices. Now, again, I'm not John Wayne. I'm not Chuck Norris. I'm none of those things, but I am prepared. I I have made sure that I can protect myself. I own multiple firearms. Um, I make sure that I know how to use them, and I am comfortable and confident that if my home needed to be protected, I can do it. Um, When I'm out in public, I I feel that I am equipped and um, well-versed enough that if put in a situation, I can defend myself or defend you if you need it. But that's not the society we signed up for. We didn't sign up for the Old West. We signed up for a law and order where when something happens, you let the professionals handle it. But when you call 911, you have a reasonable expectation that you're going to get a firefighter or a paramedic or a cop. You're going to get who you need to help you so that you aren't stuck fending for yourself. And if we want that, we have got to fund it and we have to support it. Yes, cops should be held accountable when they do the wrong thing. What happened in Memphis was disgusting and there was nobody that saw that can justify any minute of it. But that is such a small number of people that do that job. And the job itself is an honorable one. We have got to return that honorable feeling toward policing. We've got to encourage men and women to take the job and do that job. And then we've got to support them when they do it. And if we don't, we're going to lose control of the beautiful cities we live around here in Arizona. Coming up in a moment, um, what we are going to talk about one one more time before we leave, we're going to talk about the economy, but we also got to talk about the border. Uh, both are coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Cochise County Mark Daniels, a sheriff of Cochise County Mark Daniels, was in D.C. testifying before a House committee about the border. And I think, again, if if I were the president of the United States, and they're not, again, I would be fair, not all border sheriffs believe that the Biden administration is not doing its job on the border. The vast majority do, but it's not 100%. If I were president of the United States with my position on border security, I would talk to the people that agree with me and how we're doing and fixing the issue we agree on. But I would also reach out to people that disagreed with me and find out why they disagree. We don't seem to have enough of that in American politics. Sheriff Daniels is somebody that has got not only is the sheriff of a border county, he's been doing it for a very very, very long time, and he also has been a cop forever. This is a wealth of information, and so they brought him in to testify before a House committee, and he talked about the difference in Cochise County now from just a couple of years ago. To best understand my presentation is to understand we were over two years ago. My county was one of the safest border counties based on our collective government efforts, messaging, and yes, enforcement operations supported by the rule of law. What's the direct impact to my county? My citizens and law enforcement address mostly gotaways, the fight and flight syndrome in my county versus those giving up. He goes on to talk about what it's costing taxpayers in Cochise County. 100% camouflaged migrants being illegally smuggled by the cartels with the price tag of per undocumented alien begins at $7,000 and up. 
These smugglers include juveniles being recruited via social media by the cartels, border-related bookings, uh, detention costs within my jail in calendar year 2022 was $4.3 million absorbed by my local and state taxpayers. That is a big, big number. So he talked about, and I loved when he said this, he talks about people coming together on this issue. The morale of agents is extremely low, and the collective frustration is very high amongst law enforcement at all levels, and most important, the citizens of my county. With the efforts, recent efforts to cancel Title 42, this only serves to complex a border that needs an immediate immigration reform by U.S. Congress, but most important, needs to be secured. I'm a true believer that Customs and Border Patrol are the experts of border security, why sheriffs and police chiefs are the experts of community. Together, this is a recipe of success for all communities. And that is a relationship. I want to uh, remind everyone, I've been in Arizona now uh, this month. I'm Next week, I will be celebrating my 28th anniversary living in Arizona. 28 years. So I've been here a while. Now, not as long as some of you, but I've been here a while. There was a time... And in the, in the not too distant past, where the Phoenix Police Department had a great rapport with the Border Patrol. Now, boots on the ground still do. We do understand there has been a separation here of agencies and how they work together from leadership. And the border issue has become so politicized. But it used to be that if in the Phoenix Police Department, a police officer ran into someone that was uh, a Spanish speaker only and that that officer didn't speak Spanish or if they ran into someone and they thought there was an immigration issue. Border Patrol used to monitor the Phoenix police radio and it would be as simple as an officer getting on the radio and asking Border Patrol for assistance. That's how well they work together. And in these border communities, Sheriff Daniels tells you they're the experts on border security. We're the experts on community. But together... We make this a great effort. We need to return to that. We need to have the federal government not treat the federal agencies on border protection any differently than they treat the FBI working with local law enforcement or any other DEA, any of them. And they need to work together in a in a bigger way, in a better way to solve this problem. And hopefully that's change is coming. Social media users at Broomhead KTAR is my personal Twitter handle. If you go to at Broomhead Show, it updates you on guests on the show and what we're doing. Please follow both of those and keep in touch. And Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram. Those are the ways you can stay in touch with me between shows. I hope you will. Um, I always like the debate and the conversation. I'll be back tomorrow morning beginning at just after 8 a.m. So until then, have a great day, everyone. God bless.